Welcome to The Palette, the podcast about language learning and teacher training by International House London. My name is Florence, and in this episode, I am speaking with one of our incredible Korean language teachers, Maria. Maria tells us about her experience of learning Korean, her time spent in South Korea, and teaching Korean today. Okay, so yeah, uh, today we are um, talking with Maria, one of our wonderful Korean teachers, about all things Korean. And I guess what I would really love to do um, is maybe ask a little bit more about your experience of South Korea yourself. So moving there, living there, learning the language, and, and maybe even teaching it. You know, tell us the story. Okay. First, I was in Korea in 2000, so 23 years ago. It was my first visit. I was a student then. It was a short visit for maybe a week, around a week. And I went to Busan. This is a city at the very south of the peninsula with my Korean friend, which I made already <laughs> by this time. And I stayed in her place with her parents. And, you know, at that time it was too much, I mean, of a shock to me because it was too much of exotics. I stayed in Korean original house with original family. I ate Korean food from morning to, to evening. I had to speak Korean most of the times. That was really, really hard. But that was like, you know, a real experience. <laughs> so after that, I realized that I really want to do it in my life. And I never regret it. I never regret it. I think it's one of my best decisions in life, if I have any. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I mean, that really was a proper immersive experience. I mean, just kind of first thing that you hear in the morning is Korean. Last thing you hear in the evening was Korean. Did you dream in Korean at all? Did it happen to you at all? At that time, not. But later, yes, of course. Yeah, I had that experience. You know, in still in Korean traditional house sometimes people prefer to sleep on the floor and that's what what we had what we did uh and i really liked it and you know also they sometimes they have a table on the floor as well it's like very low tables so they sit on the floor and they eat on the floor and it's not some something they do for tourists some some houses they still keep this uh way of life so that was the house i visited then and it was interesting totally interesting <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> a little bit, you know, because when you have to do it all the time, it was difficult, but still yeah. very interesting. I had an experience, like after several days of um, living this life, I told my friend, can we go to McDonald's, please? Because I really wanted something, something that I'm accustomed to. And she yeah. was a little bit upset. And she said, you know, my parents are trying so hard to make you feel at home and they cook for you i mean not for you but they of course they were trying to treat me with with the best things they had and i really appreciated that so but then we went to mcdonald's i had my hamburger <laughs> and then i came back and i enjoyed career it's absolutely fantastic no one would begrudge you a bit of western withdrawal maria absolutely <laughs> like sometimes it, i mean it's comfort and um, familiarity really i mean it just took the form it just took the form of mcdonald's essentially yeah. it could have taken the form of could have taken the form of anything else you mentioned that you had already made a korean friend so how did that come about we, we met in my country because she came to learn uh the language as well so she was interested in me i was interested in her 
And you know, this friendship lasted all these years. Sometimes it was less, sometimes it was more, but just today in the morning, I was talking to this, uh, to this lady. She had already two daughters. And when we met, we didn't have kids. <laughs> we were students and we still keep in touch. And we are planning to have a joint presentation at one of the conferences next year. So oh my can you imagine? Yeah, sometimes I think it's impossible, but yes, she's still, she's a professor at the university and we are planning a joint uh, presentation about uh, Korean language and uh, literature in our lives. <laughs> I mean, I love that. This kind of, this, it's the fact that it's maintained. It's long distance. So it's still a long distance friendship. So that's incredible that it stayed there. I still uh, try to interact and engage with the, the German exchange, um, my German exchange partner as well. Um, and it's just, you know, sporadic messaging here and there and everything, but just kind of like keeping tabs. Someone who just lives a completely different life to you in some respects, in some respects, although still the same. So you studied it and it's the choice of Korean. I think you touched on the fact that it's was just quite natural for you that the way that you would describe it the choice yes you know i had a choice that that time i had a choice between japanese chinese and korean because i wanted something from paris uh but um you know there were rumors at that time when i was a student that it's very difficult to find jobs in japanese very difficult so you will not be able to find anything and chinese at that time it was less popular among like teenagers, like uh, young people. So Korean was like the um, last choice. And I didn't know much about Korea to tell you the truth at that time. But because, you know, it was the end of the 90s and Korean products was everywhere, not K-pop like, like now, not K-culture. So there was no dramas, there were no movies, there were no pop songs, but there was a lot of, you know, automobiles, cars, like appliances, home appliances, telephones already slowly. So Korea looked like a very advanced, technologically advanced and fashionable country. So I was like, hmm, that sounds interesting. Why not? And that's how it all started. And then one by one, step by step, and here I am <laughs> here teaching Korean. Yeah, and at International House London and studying, researching Korean culture, writing about it, reading Korean books. Yeah. Have you heard, for example, like last year, Korean novel? was in the shortlist for Booker Prize, nominated for Booker Prize. You know, no one could even imagine this 25 years ago, but now we have it. And this year too, the, as far as I know, the, another Korean novel is in the long list and maybe not even one. So, wow. you see, it was the right decision. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that is definitely playing the long game, Maria. Absolutely. I mean, I appreciate it wasn't based on like, uh, <laughs> studying economics on the eventual prosperity of Korea, but you saw something in it, obviously. Um, <laughs> um, and somewhat of an underdog has become absolutely a success story. Um, and yes, you're right. I mean, I do like to dabble in kind of translated literary fiction as well. And I read something called Winter in Sokcho, mm. which was, uh, I don't know, if you, don't know if you've heard of the, of the um, book, but I read that. It was... Mm -hmm. No, not yet, but I will check. Yeah, I, I think I heard, but I haven't read yet. I mean, I'm, I believe Sokcho is a real place. <laughs> I mean, I, I, my, my geography is amazing of South Korea, but it is, well, I, I just loved it. It was just, I was just reading more about this area. I mean, South Korean culture, but 
just also translated fiction a bit more as well. Um, I also read, um, I think, Pachinko. Yes. I don't know who heard of that one. That was quite big as well. Um, I loved that. Uh, yes, um, absolutely on board on, on that literary wave. I think it's fantastic. It's coming up as well in, in the shortlist and long lists. Long lists are equally important, equally tough to get onto. I wanted just to add that if you like Pachinko, you will definitely love another new one. Uh, the name is The Beasts of the Little Lands by Kim Ji Hae. You know, it's it also touches this time of colonial colonial era in Korea, so the beginning of the 20th century. But mm. it's an amazing okay. love story. You know, it, it started very slowly. So I was like reading like, okay, what's mm. up? And slowly it just took me. And at the last pages, I really, I, I literally didn't want to finish it. I was reading it so slowly. And still the heroes are in my heart and i live with them now they are like my relatives oh. so i strongly strongly recommend you this book it's really a good one it makes you feel feel very nice and think about the story this fates of these people you will love it i'm sure if you love pachinko you will love this one too oh man i'm gonna set myself up for like oh, you know what i'm gonna i'm going on holiday so that shall be my holiday read so it is in my notebook yeah, and let me know later how did you like it because I really want to know how. To oh, I I will, Maria. Believe you me, I will. Thank you very much for the recommendation. And is this something that you find you often do as well in the Korean classes? Are you really ever recommend kind of books like those, or is that kind of where it came from? Wanting wanting to spread the love, I suppose. Yes, yes, you're right. Yes, that's one of my secret weapons <laughs> I use in classroom in the classroom. You know, for example, when mainly I teach elementary level, I mean, at International House London, we mainly teach elementary Korean mostly. Uh, and mm -hmm. people come to learn. We start, of course, with the alphabet because Korean, mm -hmm. Koreans use their own alphabet, mm -hmm. which is called Hangul. And mm -hmm. instead of uh, using just any word or any text to practice reading, I like to use, you know, the movie posters to practice reading first uh, verbs, first phrases, mm. because students love it when they made meaning, when they make meaning out of the word, and it suddenly struck them that, oh, I know this, I have seen it, I read it. They, it, they really, it's a, a very good emotion, motivates. So, for example, I used one, have you seen uh, The Parasites, this um, Oscar movie? I have seen Parasite, yes. Yes. So. The, the Korean title is Kiseng Chung, so it's quite a short word, easy to read. Mm -hmm. So I'm using this one or some others. Yes, and that's how we start to see that Korean is not just words and sentences, but it's like so many interesting things behind it. And students love to feel it, and that's what motivates them to keep learning, because it's not easy. So you, you, you should motivated you definitely have the benefit of riding the pop cultural wave um so it's fab that you have that kind of media that popular media as well to use kind of to subtly ease them into it i suppose and you mentioned it it's quite difficult and i'm interested to know what what do you think are the areas or the aspects that students find the most difficult the thing with the asian languages in general not only korean is that they have this level levels of politeness so the language you use with the, your boss is definitely different with the language you use with your kids, 
or with a very close friend. It, it's uh, true for any language, of course. But in terms of Korean, the grammar will be different. The vocabulary will be different. <laughs> uh, so you will use different words. For example, the, I will give you an example. Easy thing, like what's your name? What can we, we learn it at the first or second lesson, right? But there are two completely different sentences for the situation when you ask a person, for example, in the street or in the conference or in the classroom, like a grown up, or if you ask a kid or like a friend in the bar <laughs> or some in a nightclub, it will be different words, different grammar, it will be shorter or longer. So that's one of the things that the students at the elementary levels find quite challenging uh, because you you have to learn from the very beginning, like kind of two languages <laughs> in a sense. So the politeness levels. But you know, I will tell you one funny joke, which I love. I read it the other day. Level what, what students find dif dif difficult? Level A, uh, the sounds, the phonetics. Level B, vocabulary and grammar. Level C, um, prices for apartments, a working culture, and <laughs> and Korean Korean way of living. So I mean, when you really master the language, it's already not the language that bother you, but you know the, the <laughs> way of life in the country. So I think you always always have something to complain about. <laughs> But at the at the beginner level, yeah, the politeness, the different level of politeness, how to uh, address people. For example, in Korean language, they do not they do have the pronoun you, like if, when I say how are you, where do you go, but in Korean there is no you. Okay. They do not like pronouns. So instead of saying I am a teacher, I would say Maria is okay. a teacher. And if I talk to my kid, I wouldn't say I will give you a book. I will say, mommy will give you a book, something like that. And so these little things, it sounds interesting, but when you have to control this in your ma in your head all the time, it's quite challenging. I can imagine going in, it can be quite, can be quite challenging. Um, and I suppose I'm kind of throwing myself at the deep end here. <laughs> but what, um, so what would you say are like the, the two we have you have hello and professional grown up situations and then maybe hello to let's say like you're talking to your friend's child what which two hellos would you say among friends very close friends or uh, addressing kids you will say annyeong annyeong but if you address uh, for example today we met for the first time with you right so i would never say Seriously, annyeong, but I would say annyeonghaseyo, or maybe even annyeonghaishimnika. So these are at least three different words. They are related to each other, but they have different endings. They all mean hello. But if I address you with annyeong, that means a little, a little, we have to keep this distance and we, we slowly make it shorter with our relation. So it correlates to the closeness that you have with the person. Yes. Fab. Okay. And that's one of the reasons why Korean Koreans like to 
not like, but they usually try to find out your age. It's not because they want to know how exactly you are old, but it's because they need to place you at a certain, you know, level and know how to address you, which words to use uh, when talking to you. So this is, yeah, interesting system to learn. When do they throw it in? When, when do they like, do they say hello and they go, <laughs> you say hello back and then, can I just ask really quickly, how old are you? How did they just slip it in like this? No, no. <laughs> of course, at the beginning, they will use the the highest level of politeness yes, to respect that's a default you as, setting. A, as, yeah. as a new person. Yes, it's a default setting, exactly. But uh, it's not, the, the question about uh, age will not be number two question. Of course not. <laughs> and of course, Karim will know that in European and Western culture, it's not that appropriate to ask about your age straight away, especially, yeah, especially uh, asking about this for ladies, mm. right? Because someone can feel a bit not mm. very not very comfortable answering this question. So there are there are funny ways how they ask about it. They can ask, for example, they can, when did you graduate from university? So they can. Uh like you know roughly no or they can ask for for gentlemen they ask have you been to army because usually there is a certain age when you go to army so they can guess another funny way of asking is like what is your chinese zodiac um, <laughs> um, oh i love that <laughs> so what's your horoscope i mean of course they're not going to be straight away but it can happen from time to time and you know don't treat these questions very personally. It's just a normal thing in Korean culture. So you just say like I'm like around each age and that will be enough. You know, when you watch Korean TV, it's such an obvious thing that when they, for example, ask, a pe ask people in the street about something and there is a title uh, below like Mrs. Kim and that's a parade in the bracket. For example, 49. <laughs> it's something important about her. It's like basic information that uh, viewers could need to understand why she's saying this or that. Oh. All right. Well, <laughs> I love how they slip it in. I love the way yeah. they slip it in. They figured it out. You know, just like you know, a culturally subtle way of asking, so you can then establish the rules for the rest of your conversation which you know you would need for yeah. business meetings to write up to more informal kind of catch-ups I suppose <laughs> maybe more like business meetings so many of my students many of the students who come to International House London to learn Korean they do it because they plan a visit to Korea a journey or a trip and uh, of course um, they should know that it's almost it's very difficult it's not almost impossible to learn conversational language in a few months but still even if you Learn to read Hangul, the Korean letters, the Korean alphabet, and you can read it. And you know how the sentence is organized and how to make simple requests, um, greetings and simple phrases that will change your experience in the country. Of course, if you do not speak the language, you still will have a great journey because Koreans are famous for being very nice with tourists. They are very friendly and very um, polite. Uh, they like when uh, guests are coming and they try to treat them with the best they have. They're not trying to show them the dark sides of the country or of the culture because the guests are the guests and they want to show them the best they have in terms of food, the tourist attractions, 
you know, people emotions. But the moment you show that you learn Korean, that you have an interest in, in their language, that you respect it and think it's important, because you know, not many people in the world speak Korean in comparison to other languages, right? So there is, of course, if you have a chance to learn a foreign language, still Korean is not your first priority. So if you choose Korean to learn, they are so grateful and so, so happy. And you will feel how they treat you in a different way when you speak, even a little broken Korean, but still Korean. So if you go to Korea and speak Korean there even a little bit, it will change your mm, travel experience in a good sense and turn it on the next level. Yeah, that's my advice. Thank you again so much, Maria, for you know, live, kind of obviously leaving us with the um, with this quite a few recommendations actually. I've written quite a lot down. I'm going to be honest. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>